Good looking group. Yes. Nine days. Memory didn't think she could do one because of some medical, some medical stuff. And look at what the Lord has has wrought in her. Isn't that great? I'm telling you, uh, we. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we had a several fasts broken this week, some 21 day fasts, and the rest of you keep fasting. I appreciate it. Take a day, take a meal, take a Facebook. Leave it alone. Whatever you're giving up, do that, and let's keep seeking the Lord together and pressing in. And I know that this has been a, I've done this before, but never quite like this. This one's been harder than anyone. I've, I'm a little jealous of Jay. I keep calling Jay. You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing fine. <laughs> I am struggling. I'm just, it's just different. It's different. But I am trusting God for the difference. Amen. Take your Bible this morning, turn to Exodus, Exodus chapter 33. Last week we were in Genesis, today we're in Exodus. We'll come back and hit some of this context, but find your way to verse 18, if you will. Genesis 33 and verse 18. 18. I've begun a series entitled The People, The Characteristics of the People That God Uses. How many of you want to be used by God? Okay. And I, I trust that's true for all of us. That we, we just we want to be used by God for his purposes, for his glory. Last week I talked about brokenness. And the funny thing about these characteristics, I look in the Bible, and, and I don't care which person you've got a favorite hero in the Bible, go check them out. They're all going to have these four characteristics. And the first thing they all have is brokenness. I talked about that last week. Brokenness. Paul the Apostle was blinded. Very proud, powerful man brought to his knees by physical blindness. Brokenness. And the funny thing about these characters, we all want to be used by God, but nobody wants to embrace these characteristics. Nobody signs up for them. Are you with me? No one says, ooh, pick me. Lord, break me, please. <laughs> Beautifully wound me. I sign up for that. Nobody signs up for that. No one asks for that. But these are the people that God uses. And thankfully, God doesn't ask us to ask for that. He just does it. Because if you don't know, he's God and he can do what he wants to. And by the way, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. He's going to do what he wants to in your life. Right? So we're going to start right there. If you're his, you will, you will enter seasons of brokenness. And it's not a one-time deal. It happens over and over. Today... I want to talk to you about the first fruit of brokenness. And it's, I call it uncommon communion. Because once we've been broken, we've come to the end of ourselves. See, that's what brokenness is. It's not being broken so that you no longer work. Listen to me. It's being broken so that you no longer depend on you to do that work. You getting this? Brokenness is not being broke so that you can no longer work. Brokenness is being broken of depending upon yourself to do that work. And oh, I can tell you this preacher's guilty of that. And there's a beautiful thing about spending time saying no to your flesh. Because physically, my physical weakness is reminding me. When I got up this morning, I said, Lord, I don't know. I, don't, I can't do this today. 
I, I can't I can't do it. I if it's going to happen, you're going to have to do it. And I, and I'm telling you, I heard the angels rejoicing. That's what I need. That's what you need. You don't need a preacher up here that can do it himself. You need a broken man. Who, if God doesn't show up, you're going to be bored to tears. So my prayer is that God shows up. Moses got that. Oh, was he broken? Man, you can just document the brokenness of this guy. And right before this event, we'll get into it in a second, he was brokenhearted. Because he stood between the people he loved, boneheaded as they were, and the wrath of a very ticked-off God at those people. And he hadn't eaten anything for 40 days. He was physically weakened, and he's in a bad situation. And yet, through it all, he ultimately comes and asks God this, Exodus 33, 18. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. God, I want to see you. Show me yourself. He had just spent 40 days with God. In a relationship with God on the mountaintop. But he had not seen him. He had been in his presence, but that presence was completely veiled. Are you with me? Moses says, I want to see it. Listen, listen. I've experienced it. I've, I've basked in it. And listen to me. This is the thing about uncommon communion. When that's happened to you, it's never enough. You want more. And Moses says, I can only think of one other thing that would be cooler than this, God. That would be more amazing. Can I... Can I just see you? Can I look upon you? Charles Spurgeon said that this was the greatest request ever made of God in all the scripture. Show me your glory. Here's the deal with that. Here's why that's so important. God's glory is the sum total of all that he is. It is God's power plus his wisdom, plus his, his justice, plus his mercy, plus his holiness, plus every other attribute of God's character. God's glory is the shining forth of who God is in his essence. And Moses said, I just want to see it. You know what I perceive my problem is? And I think you have the same problem. It's not that we ask too much from God. It's that we ask not enough. We need to get bolder. We need to desire God so much and say, Lord, I, I want to see, I want your glory to show up and to show out in my life. And in the life of my church. And in the life of my community. Charlotte, North Carolina this morning. Needs the glory of God to show up. And it's not just what the conservative side thinks either. I got a feeling when the glory of God were to fall in that place. We would all be a little bit surprised. But in our text today. Moses finds himself in a tight spot. And my first point is this, is that uncommon communion is the result of brokenness. You see, when we are broken, we're no longer trusting in self. We're trusting in the Savior. We're trusting in God. Brokenness breaks me of relying upon me. 
That's always the first step. And I just want to say this and make this really clear. <coughs> Uncommon communion that we're going to talk about briefly today, it's not even on the table for us unless and until there's brokenness. And brokenness doesn't have to be a bad circumstance. Oftentimes it is. It doesn't have to be. It could just be you on your face before God and God saying, you get it now? Yep, I got it. I can't do this. You have given me an assignment that I am unable to do. God's like, that's right. Once we're broken, once we realize I can't and only God can, then what's the ne natural next step? If only God can do this thing through me that he's called me to do, if only God can fulfill this, fulfill this assignment that he's given to me, the very next logical thought is step is that I should be spending lots of time with this God. Does that make sense? So uncommon communion is the result of this brokenness. We desire God's presence because we know we have become convinced through brokenness that I can't pull off what God has called me to do in my life. Am I, am I clear on that? Now, in order to understand and appreciate the passion of Moses' request, we've got to look at this context. So let me walk you briefly through the context. He's just spent 40 days with God on the mountaintop. I'm sorry, folks. I, am, I have to drink a lot. He just spent 40 days with God, again, in his presence, but never seeing God. He's been all around God's glory, but he didn't get to see it. <coughs> he gets the Ten Commandments. Remember what happened? Yeah. Moses was the first person to break all the Ten Commandments. Because when he come down off of that mountain, he could not believe. Now, God warned him. He said, I'm going to tell you what's going on down there. Let me tell you about those people. While Moses is up there for 40 days, everyone's getting nervous, nothing to do. And Aaron says, well, give me all your jewelry, and I'll give you something to worship until Moses gets back. By the way, the next time you're waiting for God to move, and the thought enters your mind that says, I know what we'll do, just stop right there and repent. That ain't going to work. Wait. But no, they don't wait. They make a golden calf. Problem with the golden calf thing is the worship turned into debauchery. And it was literally an orgy going on at the bottom of that mountain. Worshiping some and they weren't the little calf was supposed to be a picture of God. A lot of people miss that. It was just a representation of Jehovah, which is a sin in itself, a big one. And by the way, there's a principle there. When you worship in a way other than prescribed by God, it's going to lead to the exaltation of the flesh, and that never ends well. So look at this scene. Naked people in a disaster. God's people in this frenzied party all around this golden calf. This is what he comes in. And he gets ticked up. The Bible says the anger of the Lord burned within Moses. And he throws those tablets down, smashes them. Those were the ones that God wrote with his own finger. And then here's what he said. I love this. Look in Exodus. You're right there. 32. Just look at chapter back. Look at verse 26. When Moses saw the people, verse 25, were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them, and their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp, listen to this, and he said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together. 
this is not the sermon today, but there is a time to stand and say, hey, who in here is on the Lord's side? And if you are, come to me. I've called you to that in this fasting. I've called you to that in this revival. I expect to see every one of you at this revival, all three nights. You need to be here if you are on the Lord's side. No excuses. No reason for you not to clear your schedule for three evenings and be in God's house and hear what God has to say. That's what God's people do. And Moses said, hey, I see a lot of mess going on in front of me. Is any, who's on the Lord's side? If you're on God's side, you come to me. And these Levites came, and then he tells me, you know what? Get your sword. Get a sword. And you go through this camp, and whoever is still in the midst of this debauchery, you kill them. And over 3,000 people were killed in one day. Pretty bad, huh? So the next day, it says on the next day, very next verse, Moses goes to God on behalf of the people. So, he's, so can you see this brokenness here? Moses is thinking, okay, we, we're, we're good to go now. God's given us his law. Man, we're ready. Come down and the people are worse, acting worse than they were when they were in Egypt. 3,000 of them are dead. And Moses is still kind of mad. He goes to God to ask God to forgive these people. And you'll see something of the heart of a leader here. You see it in the Apostle Paul, too. He may have gotten it from Moses. He said, Lord, look, I know. I know they're terrible people, but they're your people. Forgive them. And if you won't forgive them, blot my name out of your book and forgive them in my place. Paul said the same thing. I would, then I could give up my own salvation for my fellow Jews. You ever been that burdened about somebody? And God told them very clearly, hey, Moses, you can read it right in the text. It doesn't work like that. You have done no sin before me. They have. So in verse 3 of 33, again, God and Moses are having this discussion. God said, I'll stay my hand, but I'm going to visit them one day. This is going to come home to roost. Verse, uh, well, look at 33.1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people who you brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I'll send my angel before you, and he will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, and any other ite that happens to be in the area. You can just put that in there. <laughs> And then you all go up, verse 3, to a land flowing with milk and honey. But look at this. Notice this and underline this in your Bible. But I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. So God tells Moses, hey, I made a promise, and I'm good to my word. You go. And I'll send my angel before you. I'll take care of all the ites in the land. And you'll walk in the land flowing with milk and honey. It's all yours. But I'm not going with you. Because if I go, I'm going to kill you all. Because I'm so holy and you all are so stinking wretched. But Moses loves these people. And ultimately, so does God. And, and Mo, you know what Moses says to him? And by the way, we need to adopt this. This is a part of uncommon. When you have this uncommon communion, you get some things that you didn't get before you were broken. Moses said, hey, God, I get all that, but if you ain't going, we ain't going. We're not going without you. And if you're not going, we're happy right here in the desert because we're not going to that promised land without you. It, this is not about the land. This is about the giver of the land. We want you more than we want the promised land. Oh, we need some people 
that understand that. And God understood it. God understood it. And if you look down, he goes, he goes back up to the mountain another time at the end of this. But look down at verse 17. So the Lord said, after they had this long discussion, how's this going to work? Because i got to deal with this sin issue. And they, they figure that out. Verse 17 of 33. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Listen to me. A whole nation was spared because one man God knew by name. Will you be that one man? Will you be that one woman that God knows by name and will spare a whole people? Why not you? Why not you? Why not me? So this is the context of this whole thing. Moses blesses, Moses' favor blesses his people. Oh, no, I want to say to you today, to moms and dads out there, husbands and wives out there, you want to bless your family, find favor with God. What our families need today are men and women who have found favor with God, who walk in grace and truth, and that's the kind of family your children will want to grow up into. We need communities. Lake Wildwood needs to be a community that, that is flavored by the grace and truth of God. And brothers and sisters, I can tell you one thing for sure. That will never happen. That is not on the table until you have found favor with the Almighty. Until the Almighty God knows you by your first name. And the only way that happens is through brokenness. And brokenness leading to uncommon communion. Only someone with an uncommon communion can even talk to God like that. And what blows my mind is that God responds to this request. I'm not going with you, okay? That's fine, but we're not going. And then that promise, God, that's your problem. Because you promised, and, and if you don't go, we're not going. Oh, we need some people like Moses today, amen? We need some people that desire and cry out for an uncommon communion. So then Moses asks for the biggie. Notice it's right on the heels of this thing in 17. That's why the context is so beautiful. God said, okay, I'm going to do it. Yep, I won't kill him. And I'll go with you. But let me tell you why. It's not because of them. It's because of you, Moses. You found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses is thinking, okay, this is a good time to ask. <laughs> you ever felt that way with God? This is a good time to ask. Well, seeing you said that, Lord, verse 18, uh, now show me your glory. You see it? And he said, please, show me your glory. In verse 33. Here's a second point. Uncommon communion is God-driven what that means is it's not what you're expecting. It's not what you're expecting. What do you think? And I'm curious. What do you think Moses was expecting? He said, I want to see your glory. I want to see you. I've been around it for 40 days. And now God's calling them back up for 40 more. By the way, Jay, whenever we get feeling sorry for ourselves about a 40-day fast, remember that Moses did 80 back-to-back. -back. Hard to complain. I think he did, too. I think he wanted to see the face. I, I, I've, been, I've been basking in the shadows of this glory of yours for 40 days, and it's a, we've, we've, we've developed this uncommon communion, and uncommon communion always makes you thirsty for more. And all brothers and sisters, we need more of God and less of all the other stuff. And I'm going to use this word that is clogging up our life. 
We need a spiritual enema. So you can't say that word in church. Yes, I can. I just did. I'm not saying it again. But we do. We need to get all the junk out of our, out of our life so we can hear from God again. That's part of why I've called you to fast and to pray for 40 days. That somebody in this church every calendar day is fasting something and taking that time to cry out to God, God, show us your glory. That's what we want. But it's not, God's going to do it too, but it's not going to be what I expect or, I don't, or you expect. Now, now, can we be honest in this place today? How many of you have gone to the Lord with maybe a request and you've got it all figured out? As Lord, here's what you need to do. <laughs> Is it just me or can anyone else relate? Yeah. <clears throat> Here you go. And matter of fact, I've, 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 I've bullet pointed it for you, God, and put them in order. It needs to fall just like this, and then <clears throat> it'll all be good. <clears throat> well, we're laughing because, you know, some wise person said, if you want to make God laugh, make plans. If you really want to make him belly laugh, give those plans to him and tell him to do it just like that. So Moses, I think you're right, Mary. I think Moses is wanting to see all of God. And again, we, we need to get thirsty for that, church. Okay? But, but God says, okay, I, because I love you, it's not going to work that way. Look at verse 19. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Notice what he said, all my what? Goodness. <clears throat> and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will... Be gracious and have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So what's God saying? God's saying, this is all me directed, Moses. We can do this thing, but on my terms. And oh, beloved, that might be the one word that somebody needs to hear in this house today. God's going to do this thing, but he's going to do it on his terms. He's going to do it his way. And it's almost always not what we're expecting. But he goes on to say, and the Lord said, here's the problem. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. And Moses, I need you alive for a little bit longer. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. Oh, I cannot help but see the connection to the rock of ages If you want to see God today, you will not see him unless you are standing on Christ and Christ alone. Mohammed won't get you there. Judaism that cuts out the Messiah will not get you there. If you will have an uncommon communion, it will be through the person and finished work of Jesus Christ. And so it shall be while my glory passes by, then I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Not what Moses wanted, not what he was asking. But he still got to see the glory of God. You know, we've been pressing in. Called you to 40 days of fasting. And folks, that's not over. See, man, I haven't done anything so far. We've got 15 days left. Jump in now. And those of you that have broken your fast, keep praying. I know that's happening in my house. I see that. Our house is different since my wife and I have been fasting. Keep pressing in. Do not be weary and well-doing. We are pressing into God. We are asking to see His glory. We want this uncommon communion. But I have to ask myself now, am I, are my motives pure in this? 
Because, man, here's the thing. Here's what I know. If we press into God, and if God really shows up in this place, things will happen. Jesus will be exalted. He said, if you lift me up, I'll draw everybody to me. It means this church will be fuller. That makes me feel good. Is it about me? Or is it about God? These are questions I ask myself. And my prayer in this time is that we would, we would see God. And that we would seek God for God's sake, not for our own. And here's the truth. It's not what Moses thought. Here's, here's the truth about God's glory. Here's the truth about uncommon communion. It reveals your flesh in all its ugliness. Now, it's not on a screen, but it is in your outline. See, this uncommon communion, it reveals your flesh in all of its ugliness. I'm going to tell you something. God has been revealing my flesh, and it's a little much. I have the flesh of a two-year-old, apparently. Ask my wife. I am a whiny, miserable brat, my flesh is. And when it just doesn't get what it wants right away and thinks it's doing this so terrible this thing I'm doing. Oh, poor me. My flesh is disgusting. It, it needs a spanking. It really does. And that's why I need 15 more days to beat it into submission. I got a rotten flesh. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, when you press into God, when you get into God's presence, here's the thing that people don't understand. They, oh, it's just going to be wonderful and all this good stuff. And we don't really know what it's going to be, but it's going to be blessing, and ultimately it's going to be good for me. There's the rub. Let me tell you what that ultimately, let me tell you what the first part of that ultimately looks like. It's going to be bad for you. Because, as a matter of fact, you can't even see his face and stay alive. That's how wretched you are and your preacher. Are you with me? Man, when God shows up, the first thing that happens is your the ugliness of your flesh gets revealed. And a lot of times that hurts your feelings. That's hurt my feelings. Now I'm to the point that I don't have the energy to get mad, so I just laugh at it. <laughs> uh, I'm over being offended because it's way too much work to be offended. And honest, honestly, I'm not even kidding. People do stuff to me. Now, and stuff you know, goofy little things happen all the time. I don't even care. Like, that's, yeah, that's fine. That's cool. I don't have the energy to get my feelings hurt. Way too much work. And that's what happens when you're saying no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. Stuff doesn't matter that used to matter before. But before that happens, you get to see the ugliness of your flesh. So it's not what you think. And here's the last one. The results are noticeable by others. The results are noticeable by others. People see it. Now I can tell that I've lost some weight. Let me, let me, re my pants can tell that I've lost some weight. Because they actually fit again, which is nice. And I'm one of these people, you know, and it kind of, it kind of bugs me. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I say, oh. You've lost some weight. I can see it in your face. I'm like, I've lost 30 pounds. What, did I have the face like the Kool-Aid man or what? <laughs> oh, yeah. What in the world? How big was my face? <laughs> and how many of them did I have? <laughs> you know, because that's all I hear about. My wife, my wife, oh, honey, your face. I know, Kool-Aid man. I know, I get that. Yeah, no, please don't answer that. That's rhetorical, Stanley. <laughs> you know, but, but it, it's obvious. Uh, I, I went, I did a funeral yesterday, and one of my funeral directors, who's been there long enough to know me, he was there when I did other 40-day fast. We were kind of in a rush. It was a real busy day there. He was just coming off of one funeral, coming into mine, and we needed to get things straight. And, and he was walking by to grab something, and he said, you're fasting again, aren't you? 
I said, yeah, how do you know? He said, it shows. Here's the thing. And this is what the Lord showed me yesterday. I want the Spirit of God in my life to show more than the weight loss. Because if all of I have is weight loss, it's just a miserable 40-day diet that I do not recommend to anybody. If all you can see is the preacher's not as big as he used to be, but not that God is bigger than he used to be in his life, I have failed miserably, and I've done this for nothing. You with me? It shows. If you look at the next chapter, and we're not going to get into a bunch of verses, but Moses goes, he's back up, he sees God, cuts two more tablets, they do the Ten Commandments all over again, 40 more days. Comes back down off that mountain, and the Bible says, what, what, what was different about Moses the second time? He literally glowed. That dude's face was on fire. And it was so bright, they... They couldn't even look at him. They said, Moses, you've got to put something over your face. We can't, we can't even talk to you. The glow of God, the glow, the, 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 the reflection of the glory of God is so strong in you that we can't even talk to you. We can't even look at you. And here's the thing. Moses didn't even know it. He had no clue. Because it be, listen, listen, it had become the new norm. That's what I want. And that's what I want for you all. I want it to be the new norm. That God is so visible in your life that other people notice. And not because your Kool-Aid man face is going away. But because in its place, your, your life is expressing the glory of God in such a way that people say... What's, what's going on with you? Something, something radically different about you. And I want that in my life. Let me get Dale and Stanley to come up here. I just want you guys to pass these out. Just pass those out, one to everybody. Hopefully there's enough. There's 50 of them. Let me tell you what it looks like. Don't look at those guys because they're not much. No, I mean, um, just look up here. (laughs) Yeah. Let me tell you what this is. How does God start glowing in your life? How is it that when you're pressing into 40 days with God that you and your family so change that people start to notice, huh, they're not like they were when I met them a few months ago. This is an example. And I don't say this to lift people up. I'm lifting Jesus up through these people. And I'm going to tell you the whole story. But on the back row is Jay and Lisa Brown. And Jay told me that he's going to do a 40-day fast with me. And I know how hard it is because I've done it before. And I love you, brother, but I'm thinking, that dude ain't getting past lunch the first day. I mean, you and I have eaten lunch together. I know how this guy eats. He eats like me. I said, that dude, that dude is going to be at Chick-fil-A with 10 pounds of French fries by noon. No offense, Jay, because, but no. You know what? He's on day 25 with his pastor. And God is doing great things in this family, not just his life. Because last Wednesday night, Lisa confessed Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior after church. And next Sunday, soon as church is over, we're all going to go invade the spillway and baptize both of them. Amen. You say, what's that got to do with this paper? Lisa created this for their family. And this is something that they use because God's glory is rubbing off on each other. And that home is changing to the glory of God. And this is, this is what they do together. They write these things out so that they can be in God's word. They can be thankful for what's happening. And they can lift others up in prayer, including themselves.
these, this, the change is noticeable when uncommon communion is engaged after brokenness. Are you with me? This is what we're talking about. And so here's my, I'm done. I got a question. I just want to close with a question. We're going to sing a song together. Oh, I want to say one more thing on this. Other people notice. I have to. If you have to tell people that you're a spiritual giant, you're probably not. I'm sorry. I still have a little bit of flesh left in me. Do you not love those people? I am so mature. Really, if you were, you wouldn't have to tell me. I could figure that out on my own. You don't have to go tell people that, that, that you are enjoying uncommon communion with God. It will show on your face. It will show in your home. You'll start creating things like this so that God's glory can be more specific and have a, have a foundation in your house. This is what God does. Uncommon communion. How many, how many of you want that? Okay, good. Here's the question. What's standing in the way? Mm-hmm. And it's the sin that we love more than Jesus. And we all have it. But specifically in your life, here's what I want to do. We're going to sing this song. I'm going to let the musicians come up. Is Joseph in here somewhere, I hope? Great. Okay, he's coming around. We're going to sing a little song together, but as we do, these old-fashioned altars are opened up here. And by the way, we have got to get over ourselves. Who do we think we are? We're just too good to walk down and get on our knees before God. Now, some of you can't physically. Most of us can. We just choose not to because we're more concerned with self than God. But if God's dealing with you, you can come and you can, you can talk with God. What's in, I want what to preach. I want to see your glory. I want to be the kind of person that is so full of you that it's noticeable. And I don't want to do that so people will pat me on the back so that people will forget about me and know who you are. It is said of David Livingston, that great missionary to Africa, that they went looking for him, but couldn't find him. And they encountered tribe after tribe after tribe. And they said, have you seen Dr. Livingston, Dr. David Livingston? They said, we've never heard that name before. But a few months ago, there was a man here who did tell us about a name. And the name was Jesus. And we are now followers of Jesus. Have no idea what that man's name is. But we know who Jesus is. That needs to be us. He must increase. We must decrease. As the band comes, they're going to sing the song for us as the deer. And I want you to stand and join us. And I want you to answer this question. How is my communion with God? How is my communion with God? All of what I described to you today happened after several seasons of ongoing brokenness in Moses' life. Uncommon communion was not what Moses thought. And it's probably not what you're thinking either. But at the end of the day, others will notice and you won't even realize what's happened. Whatever's in the way of your communion today, I urge you to confess and forsake it. Father, we come to you today thanking you for your word. May it find a welcome place in the heart of your people today. And may we glorify you. May you make us so thirsty for your presence. May we be enveloped with your glory and be changed from the inside out. In Jesus' name. As the deer panted for the water, so my soul longed after thee. You alone are my heart's desire. Sing it to him. You. 
What's in the way of that worship? You're my friend and you are my brother. more than any other church whatever's in the way get that out of the way this morning repent fall on your face before God you alone are my strength my shield to you alone may my spirit desire this morning that we long to worship you. We want you to be to be our joy. That our joy is wrapped up in you. It's not happiness based on any circumstance, any blessing. It's it's joy that's based on your person, on your glory that is flowing out of our lives. And Lord, we are so dull of hearing. We are so uh, just stopped up with the world and with things that don't matter that we can't we don't even have a desire for that which we need the most God I just pray that you would wake your people up that you would make us a people among whom you will be honored to dwell give your saints an uncommon communion with you that might show up and show out 
that people might not even know our names, but they would know yours. That's what we want. We want your name to be made great amongst us today. And Lord, as these bold saints have come and gone on their knees before you today, I pray that the cry of their heart, whatever it is that they're laying out before you this morning, that you would answer, that you would honor their boldness, honor their desire to have you more than to have their dignity, to have you more than to have anything else. And God, I pray that that uncommon community would show up in their lives for the sake of your name. For the sake of your name. In Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Yes. My Savior bleed and did my Savior my heart. 
Christ in me. <laughs> Amen. All of my life, Christ in me. Is that our testimony today? Amen. Thank you, Joseph. That song is on the new CD from Drawing from Heaven. It's called Awake. Uh, or is it Awaken? Um, and you can find that on iTunes. I would encourage you to download I think that's the best song on there. You ought to hear it with a full company of drums and harmony. And oh, it is absolutely beautiful. You can be seated. Uh, let me have my ushers real fast. Come on up. And we'll take up our tithes and offerings. Um, all right. Guys, you come on. Stanley, jump up and help them with that offering, please. We're putting Stanley to work today. All right, Mike, why don't you ask God to bless this offering? Amen. All right. Some announcements. If you're visiting with us today, have been here in a while, if you would just text welcome to that number right there, 478-247-0711. We want to send you some uh, information and let you know we're glad to have you with us today. So any of our visitors today, and uh, Courtney, remind me that I need to put that on the visitor card in a bulletin. That would be a great place to put that as well. Also, um, if you have your soap today for our Operation Shoebox Christmas Child, you can bring that up here and put them in these boxes. Next week is going to be socks. So is that right? Is there anything else besides socks? Good. Yeah, we need to cover the cost of shipping and then get the rest of our supplies. Because when, when do we collect all that? When do we put the boxes together? November? Yeah, so that's, that's coming up quick. All right, keep that in mind. Fall revival. We are starting. Uh, uh, by the way, I, you'll notice I put the schedule in the bulletin for the morning revival and the evening revival. So they're both in there. We got some jam up speakers in the morning. We got Pastor John Barta. Uh, uh, speaking to us in the evening. So, um, and I meant what I said. I want everybody in this room to be here. And if you can be here in the morning, you need to be here. Some of us have got out of the habit of coming to church regular. We need to get back in that habit. Um, that is not something that needs to be dropped. So be here. This is a good way to start, is to get in here. We got morning revival. If you work second shift, you can't come in the evening, you can come to that morning revival. If you're smart, you'll come to both and just be blessed out of your socks. I guarantee that God is going to move. So we're excited about this. Next week, I'm going to have some uh, f like invitation things that you can hand out to people. I want you to invite folks to come with you to this revival. And I think we've got a video coming up here next. Uh, this is Pastor John Barta, who will be speaking for us. And he's gonna, uh, he has a little message for us about revival coming up. 